morning, brethren. Jesus, the worker. We continue today on our series of the person of Jesus Christ. The purpose of these messages is to get you acquainted with our Savior, the one who is saving you, our Savior. The knowledge of him is excellent knowledge. It's not academic knowledge. It's not secondary knowledge. It's excellent knowledge. The knowledge is a, it's a channel by which grace and peace flow straight from the throne of God to you. It's excellent knowledge. There's a fellowship in the knowledge. It's not an empty fact. It's a living connection. It's excellent knowledge. You can't make it to heaven without knowing Christ. And you can't know Christ without him knowing you. It's excellent knowledge. You know, there will be some people on the other side when we all stand before God who will hear these words. Depart from me. I never knew you. Let that not be said of us. Our work is to believe him and to thereby take in his word, to ponder it and to know him. And today, here is a righteous trait that I would like us to consider about the son of God. He's a worker. He's a worker. Now, what exactly does that mean? Jesus works, that Christ is a worker. Now, I notice that there are many dictionary definitions for the term work. In Webster's 1828, there are listed over 30 different meanings for the word work. Rather than explore all of them and have a word study, we'll just cut to the chase. What does it mean that Jesus works and that God works? What of this divine trait? It is a divine trait to work. It means that they are carrying out everything by a divine agenda. And that everything done is working together towards an ultimate purpose. The the scriptures, they confirm this to us. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, workers, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel 
of his own will. He works all things after his will. When we say that God works, that is what we mean. He does what he has purposed to do. Hath he said, hath he said, and shall he not do it? Hath he spoken and shall not make it good? The work of God is to set in motion his will and his purpose. And all there are, there, there are some who would dare to resist him. God's work is ultimately never hindered. It's never diverted. It's never stopped. Amen. In the same way, the father has committed all things to the son Amen. who is currently working all things together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Amen. Just here in, in the Ephesians text that I read, it's full of the work of God. Blessing us with all spiritual blessings, seating us in heavenly places, putting us in Christ, choosing us in him, effectively setting that into motion, causing us to be holy and without blame and love, redeeming men by his blood, manifesting to us the riches of his grace, manifesting to us his purpose, gathering his people together in one, providing an inheritance, predestinating us according to his purpose and working it out. Now that's a working God. That's the working God that I serve. That's the working God that we serve. Jesus is the express image of the father. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. So since God is a worker, you can be sure that Christ is a worker too, which brings us to our text. Jesus confirming reality as it is by his own words, but Jesus answered them, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. God has worked all things according to the counsel of his own will, and Christ is working all things for the Father's sake as well. He said, I must be about my Father's business, fully committed to the Father's will. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work, which also sheds another facet on the work of Christ. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. There is no procrastination in Christ's work. It's a divine principle that God's purpose must be and is carried out without delay. It's a wicked thing to think that the work of God can be delayed. That's a wicked, the wicked servant says in his heart, my master delays his coming. It's a wicked thing. Even the patriarchs who lived in dark times never delayed. When Laban asked the servant of Abraham to stay with him a day longer when fetching a wife for Isaac, he replied, hinder me not. Seeing the Lord has prospered my way, send me away that I might go to my master. And when God sent his messengers to Abraham, it's written, Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal and kneaded and make cakes upon the earth. And Abraham ran to the herd and fetched 
snatched a, a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man, and he hastened to dress it. Yeah. So there's, there's something that is expedient mm-hmm. without delay. In Exodus 34, when the Lord gave Moses the commandments on Mount Sinai, it's written that Moses made haste and bowed his head towards the earth and worshiped. When God gives the signal to the Son of God to return with all of his holy angels, the Son will certainly hasten to do it for yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. If Jesus is a worker that does not delay, and if it is God's manner to not delay, and the people who were associated with God in old times did not delay, how can Christ be in you and you not do likewise? If Christ is a worker, if he be in you, then you will be a worker too. But we are co-laborers together with Christ. But what of those who do not labor? Spiritual slothfulness is therefore an evidence of emptiness. It's a vanity. It's an empty profession. Not only is slothfulness evidence of emptiness, but of ignorance, of carelessness, and of senselessness. God has granted all of us time to be ready. He's granted you time to get to heaven. Not only is there nothing about Christ that is slothful, there's nothing about where God has placed you or given you that should drive a man to be slothful. The sun isn't, isn't slow to set. The sun isn't slow to rise. The seasons do not delay their appointed times. The whole created universe testifies to the purpose and punctuality of God. Even the most insignificant creatures that God has made are workers. It's written, go to the ant, thou sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. Proverbs 6, 6. Now is not the time for a little sleep and a little folding of the hands to sleep. It's time to work. If it's time to plow and no plowing is done, then what will thou do in the harvest? When we stand before God, and all the saints of God have their glorious harvest. You don't want to be found begging yeah. and with nothing. The sluggard will not plow by reason of cold, and therefore shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. See, God works. Christ works. We work. The servant is not above his master. And also the children are not unlike the father. We are begotten of God. He's done. He's begun a work in us. We are co-laborers together with Christ. In every one of our lives, there's work that ought to be done. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's old things that have to go. There's new things that have to be planted. Break up the fallow ground. Those who are slothful, they delay what they know that they should do for the Lord today. They are willing to make excuses when things seek for their attention and get in the way between them and Christ. A slothful person, therefore, actually loses the season that the Lord has given them for the work. 
You can be busy and consumed with all manner of things that will pass away and yet still be slothful. There are thorns that choke the word. The cares of this life can lull a person to sleep. There are seasons of advancement and there are times to obtain grace and wisdom and knowledge. The fig tree had ample time to produce figs in its season. But when Jesus found none, he cursed that fig tree forever. This should sober every one of us up. We're on the precipice of eternity. At any moment, we could face our death, the judgment throne of God, and we would be slothful. Are the powers of darkness slothful in seeing that your faith is overthrown? And in seeking to hinder your salvation? Is Satan slothful knowing that his time is short? Can you slothfully resist an enemy who is diligent? Aren't the ungodly diligent? Aren't, aren't they diligently working about the world that is perishing? And we cannot be diligently working about a world that is eternal. God forbid. Can a wicked man be diligent about being the chairman of the board? And we not be diligent about being kings and priests to our God? Can men apply themselves to be experts in knowing the trades of the world? And we cannot apply ourselves to be experts in the kingdom and the economy of our living God. Can men muse about politics or sports or television programs and we can't muse about kingdom realities, about eternal benefits that the Lord has given to us by his own blood? Are we working out our salvation with fear and trembling or would we be slothful? Was Christ Slothful in the work of your redemption? These are good questions that we can ask ourselves, brethren. Are we running to obtain? Is that how we're running to obtain the prize? Did Christ give a 50% effort to save us? Or did he only do the things that please the Father? He only spoke the things that God delivered him. He set his face like a flint. To doing the will of God, and it was his meat to do the will of God. And Christ has brought us into this kind of a work where it is satisfying to do the work of God. Jesus' work was 100% committed. He was not sidetracked. He was not distracted. He was not hindered. He did not delay. Run that you might obtain the prize. See, if you want that prize, you're going to have to run for it. They that will have eternal life must run for it. We live in a day where there is access. We have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. We have been blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. A lot rests in our bosom. We have to only bring it to our mouth and taste and see that the Lord is good. A slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom. And will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. Proverbs 19.24 When God delivers you good things, he expects you to partake of it. Yeah. Yes. Amen. 
but you have powers that are set against you that do that don't want you to partake of it. Run! So run. Running, not walking, not short sprints. Running as in an enduring running. Running as in enduring for the way may be long. Running as in fleeing from the wrath to come. Fleeing youthful lusts. Fleeing the hell that follows you. Running as in pressing, pressing towards the mark, the high calling in Christ Jesus. Pressing through a crowd to get to Jesus. Pressing like Jacob when he shouted, I will not let you go until you bless me. Pressing, running as in advancing through a troop and leaping over a wall. Running as in continuing steadfast, not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Diligence. Effort. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not those who half-heartedly seek him. Running as in not drawing back. If any man draws back, God says, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And running without being wearied. How do we do these things? It comes from the strength that Christ, the premier worker, can give us. God has promised. He's promised this, brethren. It's in his word. He's promised. God is faithful. He's promised that all who look to him shall run and not be weary, shall walk and not be faint. And because he has given all things through Christ, he expects an increase. Remember the man who has delivered the talent and yet hid his Lord's money in the earth? The Lord was angry with that servant, and he, ba- he, was, an, he was considered an unprofitable servant. And he, he commanded, bind him hand and foot, and cast him into outer darkness. Which means that the increase was possible. That's what that means, that you can't, there is an increase. It's a possibility. All it required was effort on the part of the servant. Here we see another aspect of Christ being a worker. His work is always profitable to God. When you're in the yoke with Jesus, your labors count for something. You can do all things through Christ, which gives you strength. All productivity is in Christ. So get in the yoke with Jesus, and you'll find that by doing so, the things that you used to have trouble with, Outside the yoke, you find that they're easy and light in comparison. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If a person is not productive for God, they're, they're not in the yoke with Jesus. I'm sorry, they're not in the yoke with Jesus. Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. Consider the productive workings. Of Christ. Consider him. Consider Christ. Consider him which endured contradiction of sinners against himself, Mm -hmm. lest ye be wearied in your minds and faint. Weariness comes from not considering Christ properly as we ought to. Consider him. Consider Christ is a worker. Here's a short list of what he has worked, what he is working, and what he will work. Jesus created the heavens and the earth. There's not anything made that wasn't made by Christ. Right off the bat, 
He's done more just in creation. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus learned obedience. Jesus submitted to the will of God. Jesus suffered and endured suffering. Jesus endured temptation without sin. Jesus was merciful to the adulterer. Jesus went about doing good. Jesus preached the kingdom of God. Jesus chose his disciples. Jesus changed the water into wine. Jesus cast out the demons. Jesus calmed the storms. Jesus cleansed the lepers. Jesus restored the blind. Jesus restored the wither, the withered hand, the, the deaf, the lame, the paralytic. Jesus multiplied the bread and multiplied the fishes and fed the multitudes. Jesus walked on the water. He was transfigured. He fasted 40 days and nights. He was baptized. He prayed and taught to pray. He taught in the synagogues. He taught his disciples. He spoke to the multitudes. He testified of the Father. Jesus wept. Jesus drove out the money changers. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus became a curse. Jesus tread the winepress of the wrath of God alone. He spoiled principalities and powers. He defeated the devil. He overcame. He fulfilled the law and the prophets. He rose from the dead. He opened their understanding. He pleased the Father in all that he did and spoke. He wrought righteousness. He made peace with God. He ministered to the spirits in prison. He sent the comforter. He gave John the revelation. He sent letters to the churches. He announced liberty to the captives. He seeks and saves that which is lost. He restores sight. He upholds. He heals. He cleanses. He forgives. He blesses. He opens doors that no man can shut. He raises the dead. He warns. He rebukes and chases and promises and makes free and keeps the feet of his saints and leads and guides and mediates and illuminates and satisfies and feeds the soul and shepherds and intercedes and sanctifies and strengthens and reigns and commands peace and distributes grace and circumcises the heart and delivers us from temptation and brings us to God and loves us and glorifies the Father and is preparing a place for us. He's the author and the finisher of faith and will return to take vengeance on the ungodly who have spoken all sorts of ungodly things. He will come quickly. He will crush his enemies under his feet. He will resurrect the dead. He will come to judge the living and the dead. He will give us new names. He will give us a crown of righteousness. He will give every man according to his works. Jesus is a worker. He... He has a reward waiting for your work. And I will hasten, hasten to him. Hasten so glad and free. As David said, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Well, what about you? What more can he say than to you he has said? To, to you for, for refuge to Jesus have fled. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat when our Lord comes. Run, run, pilgrim, that you yes. might obtain. Yes.
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you. Brother Rob.